Fellas, I think Ohio State just scored another touchdown. <laughs> nope, the game's over, the lights are off, and Letterman Row is still in the building in the aftermath of Ohio State 63, Western Kentucky 10. Uh, the air raid was grounded for the night. Um, well, on well, one side. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, okay. uh, the air raid was grounded for the night. Uh, Tyson Hilton, Western Kentucky head back down I-71 and uh, take a beating in the horseshoe at the hands of Ohio State, who looked the best they've looked all year so far. I'm, I think it's safe to say that's the 40-year bet, Tim May. That's Andy Backstrom. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Let's get into it, fellas. Tim, big takeaway from Ohio State 63, Western Kentucky 10. I think what Ryan Day wanted to see coming out of it, wanted to feel in this game and coming out of it is a sense of this was a big-time underdog that they took on and a sense of dominance. Uh, first quarter wasn't really that feel, but the second quarter when they scored four straight times in just impressive fashion, yeah, you know, that third down, uh, that third down conversion stat, right? Ohio State was 3-3 going in for that first touchdown of the second quarter. Then they didn't have a third down to face the next four, the next three touchdowns. That's what you call, that's what you call Ohio State football in this, in this latest era. And they just blitzed uh, Western Kentucky almost all the way back to Bowling Green. Uh, that was because not only did the offense step up with Kyle McCord leading the show and all the big time players we can name, uh, contributing to that, but defensively they got the ball back and did it again. And so that's what I think Ohio State wanted to feel coming out of this game was that sense of dominance. They got it done the way you're supposed to against a team like that. Now on to Notre Dame. I think my takeaway is definitely Kyle McCord. This was his first start as the full-time starter and he looked so in control of this game. 19 of 23, 318 yards, three touchdowns, needn't even play the whole game. Devin Brown came in at the end of the third quarter and Kyle McCord Really, I mean, the extraordinary trait that he seems to have is this accuracy. Yeah. At the end of the first half, I turned to Tim and I said, hey, Kyle McCord, he's got more touchdown passes than incompletions. That's always a good stat to have if you're a quarterback. And I think Kyle McCord definitely showed today that he's ready to take that next step, and he has to because he's going against Sam Hartman next week in a pivotal matchup. And he's going against a much better defense, probably. One of those incompletions came on the first drive. It was an overthrow to Julian Fleming. Yeah. And he threw it so far over his head that Julian barely jumped to even try to catch it. And I was like, okay, what are we getting tonight? Are we getting the good Buckeyes or the bad Buckeyes tonight? Uh, certainly got the good. Sometimes you just got to let one. Oh, yeah. Let it run. Yeah, he, he just. And, but you know what I'm saying. Julian Fleming was wide open. I yeah, think Ryan Day, true. if you watch back on the broadcast, I think Ryan Day lipped it too, wide something open. Uh, and uh, he missed it. But then he didn't miss anything else the rest of the half. Yeah. And he was electric. This is my big takeaway is uh, first two weeks of the, the year against a bad Indiana team and a bad Youngstown State team by Ohio State standards. Not bad teams. Youngstown State's a good FCS team. Indiana, Josh Fryer thinks they're making a bowl game. I'm yep. not, not going to fight Josh Fryer on anything, let He's alone that. He's from Indiana, though. Yeah. Uh, I was still unaware of Ohio State having the explosion offense that we've seen from the C.J. Stroud offenses, where this team can go six minutes and score 35 points and yeah. you don't even realize what hit you. Yes. I did not, I wasn't sure, even with all the talent, if this team had that. This team has that. Yes. Uh, it can get there. If you protect. I, I know that it was Western Kentucky and I'm going to couch everything with that because we have to yeah. in the build up to Notre Dame. The first three opponents have not been great opponents for Ohio State. However, it gave Ryan Day now in hindsight a chance to use this as almost a preseason. The Buckeyes have worked out a lot of kinks. And for the first time tonight, we saw that explosion rate explode. Yeah. And 28 points in eight minutes 
and it was just mm -hmm. like that, and it was it was the impressive. Usual suspects. That's what stood out about it. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Egbuka. Cade Stover finally got back into the. You know, he didn't catch a pass last week. Yeah. Got got back into it and played a heavy role in that last eight minutes of the second quarter. And uh, Kyle McCord was on point. You know, he you really the only play. And I don't even know if you fault him on it when he when he had the the fumble. You know, he took a lot of blame for it. Yeah, yeah, but it was still you get hit. You know, you don't just uh, so. But anyway, past that, it was like it's kind of like I'm sure Ryan Day wanted to see that, just like all the offensive coaches did. If you put A, B, and C together, you come up with D, and damn, you know, that was a hell of an explosion. Yeah, explosion on defense too. Four takeaways, yeah. two defensive touchdowns, and I wrote about it this week. You know, sometimes that first takeaway in a season can lead to more and that's what happened this week they had one last week it was Denzel Burke ending that cornerback drought for interceptions well this week the cornerbacks forced three of the four turnovers and Jermaine Matthews Jr. had a touchdown on a pick six 58 yeah. yards good for Denzel him man. Burke forced a fumble he said it feels better to force a fumble than have an interception yeah. which was interesting to hear and then Jordan Hancock had maybe one of the biggest hits all day laying down a hit on Blue Smith one-time Buckeye and forced to fumble that Davis and Aikmanosin, another cornerback, recovered. So good day for the cornerbacks, good day for the secondary. We talked all week about this was the first test yeah. for this defense, but also that secondary, which cratered at the end of last and season. And still Chambers, man, sneaking down, hunching down, and then popping up. You know, Austin Reed never saw where he came from. You know, This game kind of went like I thought it would. I thought Western Kentucky would have something really going on to begin with, but I think the more you pressured them from the standpoint of the scoreboard, because that's what brings the most pressure, the more it would get a little bit frayed around the edges. And I thought it definitely frayed around the edges for Western Kentucky in that second quarter. Don't you agree? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Ohio State used the first quarter against this Western Kentucky passing attack almost as a feeler quarter. Yes. I, I didn't sense you have a, to. I, well, but I didn't yeah. sense, like, a lot of times if you get into a, an air raid matchup or a triple option matchup and you're struggling in that first quarter, you can start to press a little on defense. Ohio State didn't press on defense. It didn't get out of form. It stayed true to what it does. You know, it started to key in on those uh, those horizontal passes, we knew that Western Kentucky was going to throw at them. But once it did that, it still wasn't creeping up too much where they got burnt on the, on the deep stuff. Right. And that's what was impressive to me is it was a very disciplined defensive effort from Ohio State. I'm not going to excuse the first quarter because I know a lot of people have, have felt like we've been excusing Ohio State so far this season. I won't excuse the first quarter, but it, it was very apparent in the second quarter once Ohio State figured out how to defend this kind of defense, and it's a difference between watching it on film and actually defending it. Once Ohio State figured out how to defend it in real life and color, then then they really shut it down. Yeah, and I think anybody that lingers on the first quarter of this game is missing the point. I mean, forest for the trees. Too. Exactly. I mean, speaking of forest for the trees, Lathan Ransom, remember that? Oh that, yeah. That uh, saying that. That's uh, last year's saying. Jim too. Knowles had about him, and boy, he made he made, in my opinion, the second most impressive defensive play of the game when he blew up that uh, that was at third and short or wherever that was and was in the backfield almost before the ball got to the quarterback. But I digress. But, you know, there's always – I mean, just think of the first three tests this defense has gone against. It's been totally different in, in some respects, all three of them. And it takes a while to adjust to what a team, even though you've seen it on video and you kind of have an idea, it takes a while to adjust to really what they're trying to do and to maybe tighten the screws to a certain extent to tighten some things up. And this coming week, it's going to be the same adjustment period, except Notre Dame tries to fight you, as they say, with conventional weapons, you know, to, to a certain extent. So this will be a little more straightforward in, in what's going on. But uh, I give this defense right now, based on the way the season ended last year, 
I give this defense an A for where it has come. And obviously a long way to go. Yeah, a few more spe uh, specifics about the defense, those linebackers, you know. It's not just Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. It's both of them combined have been really impressive so far this yeah. year. I looked up, saw Tommy Eichenberg already had 10 tackles. Nine of them were solos. Steel Chambers just looks a lot more patient in run mm -hmm. defense. He looks great in coverage. We saw that with the interception. And he honestly just has a nose for the ball right now. It's, I think it's really impressive for this linebacking core, which it's really not a one and two. It's a 1A and 1B right now, which is what Jim Knowles would probably love for his defense. Yeah. And then the other thing I'll say, too, is for the defensive line, I know we were pretty critical of the defensive ends. I thought JT Tuimolo, even though he didn't have a sack, was more disruptive today. Didn't see a whole lot from Jack Sawyer. Maybe when I watch back the tape, I'll see a little bit more. But JT, I felt like, was a little bit more disruptive off the edge. Yeah. And then uh, Mitch Melton getting his first career sack. Uh, Tyleek Williams continues to have a breakout season. Defensive lineman of the game, in my opinion. Yeah. Based on his stats and his effectiveness. And he scored a touchdown. Right. I'm with you. And JT Tuomolo almost had a shove sack, as I call it, where he shoved somebody back into the quarterback. Uh, but it was a critical down and forced a bad pass. But we all saw that against that tackle. You know, and like we said, we're – well, we may or may not be stupid. I don't know. But we understand that this was against Western Kentucky, not Notre Dame. Okay. We're couching everything, but 62 to 63 to 10 really tells the story of this game, in it's, my opinion. To me, Tim, you don't even have to couch couch it when you look at it this way. It's 63 to 10 against a Division One college football team. Yeah, 63 is a lot of freaking points. Yes. When the and I know a lot of people have been critical of Ryan Day's handling of of talking about the clock and everything. I I thought it was a little bit excusey as well, but 63 against a team that that can score the football with a clock that, that does tend to run, and a lot of it was run in the second half, that's pretty damn impressive. And, like, it's not just, like, it's not just that Ohio State scored 63. It's that Ohio State scored 23 and 35 against two teams that shouldn't have scored 23 and 35 against. And now everyone around the country can go on the scoreboard on their phone and be like, oh, that's Ohio State we know. Yeah. And it almost is like a wake-up call for everyone else of like, hey, don't forget about Ohio State. Yeah. And I think that's important. As much as we don't, they, they say that they don't pay attention to things, I think 63-10 to 10 is important heading into South Bend next week. You've got to have momentum, and, and I think they do now. But and they don't, but here, real quick, they don't have enough momentum where everyone's going to pick them to win in South Bend next well, week. Yeah, and I think that's important, it'll too. It'll be interesting to see how things change in that regard. You're yeah. talking about numbers. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. This was a defense they were playing against that invited you to gouge them. With the run. Yeah, or the pass. I yeah. mean, they, you know, either way. Now, Ohio State gouged them mm -hmm. in the second quarter especially. That was, a, that was a gouging clinic. Yeah. And that's play, win the way you should, dominate the way you should against that team. They definitely did that, even more so. Like I said last week with the Youngstown State game, look like the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah. This team looked like the Ohio State Buckeyes tonight. Yeah, I'm going to go back to the offensive side of the ball for a second. Uh, the running backs, Trayvon Henderson, again, second game in a row, two touchdowns. Thought he looked effective running the ball. We're seeing a little bit more of that burst. We saw it last week, saw it again this week, something we didn't really get to see last year. I mean, Spencer, you made a comment that I agree with. Sometimes looks like Travion's even looking for contact. Like, he's ready to embrace the contact where last year was all bounce outside, bounce outside with not much luck. Chip Trainum seems like running back two. He is. Team well, right based now. on today, he is. Yeah, well, based yeah. on the first three weeks, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, aside from Mayan Williams cleaning up a few touchdowns and uh, early on, I mean, I, I think that was week two, was it? Garbage or week one. Well, he scored week two one. touchdowns. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he was there 
He was there, as we said, Pete Johnson of that. Yeah, day. I think Go that ahead. was week one. And aside from that, yeah, I guess it's really been Chip Trainum and Travion Henderson carrying carrying the hay for this running back group. It's the Travion Trainum train. <laughs> Jump on it. We'll work on that one. <laughs> what do you think? That's pretty good, isn't it? First thoughts on Notre Dame, Tim. Uh, not they too gotta, much. They got to prepare Hold for on. the Travion Trainum. Train them, train. Not too much because train. we're going to be back in here on Monday in this very yes. building for the Monday Maybe after. This very spot. For the Monday after. Um, but just real quick, just opening thoughts before we get out of here Could, on Notre, Notre Dame. Dame's a different team. We all know that. You know, anybody will tell you because they have a quarterback, they have a competent quarterback. That changes everything. That changes the whole confidence factor for a team, knowing it doesn't necessarily have to go out there and just shut somebody totally down to have a chance to win like they had to do with Tyler Buckner. By the way, what was the final in that South Florida-Alabama game? I didn't see it. 17-3. to uh, So, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, they didn't exactly explode today with Tyler Buckner at the helm. That that changes, just like with uh, Cal McCord said, when you get somebody to tell you you're the starter and then you deliver like he did today, I mean, you're, you're the bona fide starter now, uh, your confidence goes sky high, but when you deliver, so does the teams. Mm -hmm. I thought he delivered today. Yeah, Notre Dame, look, they've got one of the most physical teams in the country. Not only is their offensive line one of the best in the country, but their defensive line is pretty stout, too. Yes. This defensive line today, Western Kentucky, is not very good. They got picked <laughs> apart by USF in week one, gave up 374 rushing yards. And honestly, they were trying to rebuild that with a lot of transfers. It has not worked out well for them. So yes, this was a step in the right direction for this offense, and especially the offensive line. But it's going to be a way harder task next week against Notre Dame. Isn't it funny? We thought they didn't bring a punter because they didn't punt in the first half, right? And then how many times they punt in the second half? I didn't even keep score. They have a left. They have a left-footed punter. They, so, they waved the white flag. In the yeah, they half. really, they really uh, did. Uh, it looked like Ohio State did at the beginning of the second half too, offensively. That was pretty lackluster, but then they got it going a, a little bit more. It looked to me a little bit like Ohio State was on yeah. to South Bend. Yeah. Uh, Letterman Rowe is officially on to South Bend. Guys, last year didn't really get to hype up the Ohio State Notre Dame game because we did it all offseason. So like that week leading in was like, oh, it's finally game week, but it just felt like we had rehashed everything and everything so many yeah. times. I have not been this fired up for an Ohio State game probably since, well, Georgia. Okay, never mind. Uh, I'm excited for this one, guys. Like, really excited to get over to South Bend. For a regular season game that's not the game, meaning oh, yeah. against Michigan, this is as good as, as good as it gets. I mean, from the standpoint of the hype that's going to be going into this game, uh, the expectations, and the referendum that this game is going to represent it's, for whoever wins and whoever loses. Agreed? Yeah, it's also a helmet game. Like, Golden Dome, yeah. the golden helmet, and, the, and the, the gray helmet with the Buckeye leaves on the same field just colliding against each other. Like, give me, put it put it right in the veins, Tim. Just the fifth I, regular I season wait. game in history between these two. I can't yeah. wait. It's going to be so fun. Uh, before we get out of here, I did want to apologize Excuse for... Me, sixth, not fifth. I, I, I forgot they played last year. <laughs> before we get out of here, I did want to apologize about the live stream tonight. We did not have Ryan Day's press conference due to technical difficulties. We will have that corrected as soon as possible and be able to bring you all of Ryan Day's press conference. It's the first one since 2019 when I joined the beat that I have not live streamed and I am devastated about it. Truly, I was very angry. Um, but that happens sometimes. That's, that's equipment and that's technology. So. Again, apologies to the Letterman Row crowd for that. We will be better, uh, and uh, technical things happen. But we're on to Notre Dame now, and uh, Ryan Day's on to Notre Dame, Kyle McCord's on to Notre Dame, and this entire fan base can now direct its attention at South Bend. Super fired up to get there with the 40-year vet Tim May, with Andy Backstrom, until Monday when we're back in this building 
We're going to go work our butts off trying to cover this thing uh, and get you through Western Kentucky on to Notre Dame. For Tim, for Andy, I'm Spencer. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back in here on Monday morning.